Welcome to Breaking the Bias. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders from across our industry, shining a light and sharing stories of workplace empowerment. Welcome to this episode of Breaking the Bias. I'm joined today uh, by Mona Sheriff and Sharon Driscoll, live at Marketing Leadership Forum. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Great to have you with us. Mona, I'd love to get started on what, why do you care about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Why does it matter? It matters on so many levels. Uh, when I look back on my career, it was actually a white male who encouraged me to step up into my first VP role. I had all the self-talk, and I also had other people tell me, you'll never be the whatever, And uh, John McGuire came into HP Enterprise Services and said, why aren't you the head of marketing? And I said, well, I'm the acting head until they bring in a head. And he said, well, you've been that acting head for a year and you've killed it. And you've made all these improvements and you've, you you know, you've, you've hired all this talent and you've made all these changes. And so why aren't you the head of marketing? (laughs) And so I had self-talked and self-believed my way into that's not a role for me until John McGuire convinced me it was and mm-hmm. the rest is history. So to me, it's about, it's a, is it paying it back? Is it paying it forward? It's paying it to, to make sure that I do the same thing that yeah. he did for me for people who may not see themselves in those types of roles. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was talking to Julie Schwartz yesterday and she's obviously at the end of her career and she was talking about the impact we all have on, on each other. And we're all in marketing, yes, to do a fantastic job for our businesses, for our organizations, but actually it's people at the end of the day. Yes. And that, that's the, the legacy that you leave and the, the path you're paving. What about you, Sharon? I, maybe similarly, I am the recipient of great diversity. I was at, uh, working at an advertising agency that pitched the IBM business. And they were switching agencies from a, a smaller agency to a global network because they needed to go to 165 countries in a co- cohesive way. And I was on the pitch team. I actually led the pitch team. We won the business, one of two agencies, and then put everybody in a car to send them up to IBM. And everybody had a white shirt on, a red tie, and a navy blue suit. So you'll know the gender. And everybody arrived, and IBM said, what is this? This is not who we are. This is not representing anybody that we feel would be um, comfortable in our company. And everybody learned so much that day about IBM as a company, but also about how, you know, this is long before DEI was ever a a spoken topic. IBM just is this way. And so they came back to the agency and they very quickly spruced me up and put me in the limousine and said, you're going out to work. And I worked as a liaison from the agency to IBM for a year. And then at the end of the year, we were all supposed to go back. I I was doing a a transfer with one of their comms guys. He ended up going back to IBM, and and they asked me to stay, and the rest is history. So I was was the first diverse person from the agency that that went up to run the IBM business. And so I've always said it it really is you have to be reflective of your clients. You've got to be reflective of the world in which you're, you're marketing to. But you've got to be reflective of something that would make you comfortable and I think IBM does that in, in a very meaningful way and has forever. It's their legacy. You need to be participating in that diverse kinds of culture. And IBM, as I think of the organization, and we, we've obviously worked together and we work with many, many teams. And you spoke about your, your team being very diverse yesterday and where they come from. 
have we really made much progress? Are you seeing your teams as as diverse? Is marketing diverse as a, a discipline? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at, at the traditional definitions of diversity, gender, ethnicity, um, religious, uh, you, you know, I, I think we all as a, as a world have a lot of work to do to be more inclusive of each other and more respectful of each other. But I also love the idea of neurodiversity, of mm-hmm. seeing different patterns, of hiring different kinds of people and putting them together because the combination is one and one equals four. Um, that to me is the new definition of inclusion. And when you do that, then Everyone has the ability to act authentically and, and feel comfortable because there's so much diversity in the room. There's so much, you know, such a wide variety of thinking that, that your point of view fits in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, think and that's I love a great that point of view. And I agree with what you said. And I think I'm never pleased. I'm, you know, pleased, but, but not satisfied. I, I, I want, always want more. And we look at our data, at NTD data. Data's in our middle name. We, we look at our data. We look at our diversity numbers. And marketing is probably one of the most, if not the most, diverse functions okay. if you look at the traditional characteristics of diversity. So 60% women, 40% of my team is in India. I think we have a lot of work to do around uh, black and Hispanic males. Mm-hmm. Uh, but LGBTQ very nicely covered. You know, there are key areas that are that are well covered across the marketing population. And equally important to me is individuals and leaders within marketing are leaders of the uh, employee resource groups at mm-hmm. NTT Data. So that says to me that my my team members and my leaders. Are, are personally invested because those are volunteer organizations and that's a side gig for them, but they're leaders in pride, they're leaders in win, they're leaders in the veterans ERG, they're leaders in thrive um, for, for people of African descent. So there's, there's leaders within marketing or individuals within marketing who are leaders in our employee resource groups in the company as well. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of my team for stepping into those leadership roles. And I'm proud of having people on my team for whom it is a personal passion. Sounds like you've both made big, big waves, big steps forward in, in your team. And I hope you don't mind me saying, but you're both very confident. You're both very bold as thinkers. You're both restless. How do you make sure people in your team that are perhaps more introverted or have very different personalities? How do you bring them to the table? How do you make sure they're heard? Thank you. But, but that's part of diversity. Yeah. Um, I, I admit, I have a strong personality. I um, have a strong voice. I don't need a microphone. There are others who I find to be really quietly brilliant. And if I'm always loud and always getting my opinion across, then I will never hear from those people. And I surround myself with people who I genuinely believe, whom I believe are smarter than I. And I try and find ways in which to give them a forum that would make them comfortable. Sometimes it's a one-on-one. It's yeah. not putting them on a stage because it's not their comfort zone. Some people are better writers um, than they are uh, speakers. And so we find that as a venue. But sometimes it's putting them on a project where I know they will have confidence and therefore they will find their voice more quickly and then show others you know, what they have to learn. But it's, it's really, and, it's, and it, that's an important thing for me because I do have a very bold um, presence. And so really being cognizant of the fact that not everybody's like me and mm-hmm. they need to be 
celebrated. Yeah. It's not self-awareness. I mean, have you found it, particularly with this kind of new hybrid of, I know everyone, some people are being forced back to offices, but, you know, you've got people in remote pockets. and Fortunately, you know, we're not. Um, NTT okay. Data has really embraced the uh, remote work environment, mm -hmm. primarily because our employees just killed it during COVID. Yeah. They did such a great job and were so productive and, you know, had some of our, our best results. So the company recognizes that remote work works. How, how do you make sure, though, that somebody sat in Denver that you've never met on your team is so getting heard? I talked a little bit about yeah. this yesterday, but I really kept the mechanisms that yeah. we had in place previously, but I made those mechanisms virtual. Mm -hmm. So my, in, my leadership team meets every Monday morning. And now, actually, I would say it's leveled the playing field because the person in Bangalore is equal to the person in Boston, is equal to the person in Dallas, because there's not three people in Dallas and two people mm. in Boston. And so everybody is remote. So everybody yeah. is kind of equal in that Monday morning uh, call. Same for every week. We have a marketing deep dive, we call it, where we have subject matter experts or thought leadership or training of some kind for the marketing department. And again, it, while while it may not be conducive for for my friends on the West Coast because it's 8 a.m. Central in the in the, in Dallas, it's 6 a.m. for California, but it it's a time zone that works for the folks in in India. So. So we kept those mechanisms in place and kind of leveled the playing field by having everybody be remote. And then to your point, I, I also have introverted, extremely thoughtful uh, folks on the team for whom one-on-ones are really the best way to get their thinking, which so often is better than my thinking. And so I, I want to hear from them. Mm -hmm. And one-on-ones work work as well. So different types of mechanisms for for different types of dynamics and what you're trying to accomplish. We spoke a bit yesterday about um, how organisations are having to not just do more for less, but move move their resources, move talent into high value, high impact initiatives, have more focus. How do you make sure that your top talent is, is moving into those those roles, having those projects? It's not just the people with the loudest voices or, or the people with the biggest champions or mentors. Right, um, right. How do you give, give your teams opportunity? Well, in, in my case, like, for example, a couple of years ago when the, when the talent market was so tight, we actually didn't have a recruitment marketing function. And I looked across the team and, and all my leaders are capable. And I said, you know, where do we think recruitment marketing could, could land? Because it's comprised of multiple disciplines. So really, I could make a case for it being anywhere. And my leader in India raised his hand and said, you know, most of the recruiting that we're doing is in India, and my team will take it on. And so we have the leadership of recruitment marketing globally for NTT data services based out of out of India, and that team is leading that work. So we did it with recruitment marketing. We did it with um, corporate social responsibility. The majority of our investment in corporate social responsibility is in India. So the leadership for that function is is also in India, and that 
that's worked very well for right. my organization. Yeah, so opening up opportunities for Absolutely. the whole team. Sharon, Absolutely. how about you? We have a, a very deliberate top talent program um, in, in marketing overall uh, at IBM. And, and it, this is controversial, but we tell in, in my team the people who are in top talent know it. And the people who are not yet, important word there, not yet in top talent, know how they're being coached to get them there. Okay. And I and I think it's important. And top talent is across the world. It doesn't mm -hmm. you don't have to be in New York or, or whatever to be in top talent. But it affords you the opportunity for upline coaching, for education, exposure, ad additional experiences, because we are grooming you for what you decide you want to do. It's not, it, it, you know, to, I'll groom you as a CMO. Well, that's great, but I really wanted to be a communications expert. So mm -hmm. it's what they want to do. But we do deem them top talent because we see potential there that could take them to another level. And we do let them know. And so there's that awkward conversation, you know, with a person who is not yet, but in, in radical candor, I believe that they want to know how to get there and how to make themselves better rather than just seeing everybody else kind of go off to these things. And I'm sitting in a chair not knowing how to get there. Yeah. So we're open. So being transparent, being being Absolutely. across the team, and that, that there must be so much pressure that you're you're both under as you think about yourselves as leaders. You're having to manage other executives. You're having to lead and inspire your teams. How do you make space for D and I? Where where does it fit in? It, you know, are you, are you always challenging yourselves and thinking how how am I more diverse? How am I more inclusive? Does it just come in your DNA, Mona? I think a combination of both. Obviously, it is it is in my DNA. I, you know, I raised a I raised a a son and a daughter, and I raised them both exactly the same way. And we had, you know, gender neutral language in the home, so that like I wouldn't let my son say, "I want to be a fireman." You could be a firefighter because your sister could also be a firefighter. So you know, that, to me, it's like that's how you do things. I, I've made sure that the team is also cognizant of how our marketing is reflecting the world around us. So, you know, are we, are we representing diverse groups in our content, on our website, in our materials, actively yeah. questioning the usage of some photos over others, and just making sure that for those for whom it's not in their DNA, helping them be maybe a little more conscious of it. Yeah. Got it. Make more aware, you know, more visible. But in and the like, team, it's natural. Yeah. For the team, it's natural. I'm sure with your leadership, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're, part of our you're DNA. beating the drum. How about you, Sharon? Well, it's funny because it is part of our DNA, and I would suspect most of the people in the room. How many of you have been, I don't know, out to dinner at a football game or whatever, and you hear a slur? My body just goes, it, yeah. it, you know, I have a visceral reaction because it's so not where we are mentally as, as people in a, in a workforce but it's also so bad. Mm -hmm. It just is really, and yet you still say, are we truly in 2023? I mean, what, where are we? But, but I, you know, side note, guy on our team had uh, lost his husband uh, in a very bad fire and it was well known in New York and it, it was a very sad situation. And this was, I don't know, 10 years ago. And he was on our team and he had found someone else. He got remarried, married for the second time. And we had a little celebration in our showcase that we have every week. Um, and it was great, and everything was wonderful, and everybody was on a real high. And I was approached later by someone on the team who said that his religious beliefs did not understand right. same-sex marriage. And 
he wanted to let me know that that was very upsetting for him. And this was about, are you diverse, Sharon? Because uh, my immediate reaction was to go, what? But I sat back and said, no, you are representing the world. We are a diverse organization. So my response to him was very clear. On this team, we show up authentically. We show up as our, as our true selves, and we are appreciated as our true selves. We also work in a company that has always encouraged us to be our true selves, even when it was not a popular view many, many, many decades ago. So on this team, in this company, we act this way. That does not preclude the fact that you don't agree with that. But in this company, we show up authentically. And so thank you for telling me that authentically you don't feel comfortable with that. I respect that, but we all show up as we are. And it really taught me that you have to keep your mind open because yeah. things are going to pivot and, and change. And that my beliefs are not everybody's beliefs, even though from an HR perspective, I answered the question correctly. That was not going to be my first response. Yeah. Interesting. And so I learned too. Yeah. You know, are, are we diverse? Of course we are. Are we including? Of course we are. Until we realize that we aren't as much as we should be. Yeah. And Sharon, reflecting back maybe te 10 years ago, what, what advice would you give yourself kind of going back? What would you have done differently? <laughs> I'll now take it to a, a different place and say, I believe for me mm -hmm. that I had a little bit and, and sometimes still struggle with the imposter syndrome. Yeah. I've gotten to places where I've said, I can't possibly have this job. Mm -mm -mm, somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder. I would say to myself 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you are strong. You are smart. You are talented. You should go as best and as, as, as bright as you can go until it stops. Mm -hmm. What is it? Is it time? Is it people? Is it? I don't know. But what it is, I think we spend so much time, some of us, um, rethinking, you know, trying to find that inner courage to stand up and, and take that job. And it's not standing up at a meeting and making a point. It's taking the job, you know, and, and realizing that you are worth it. I, I could make a comment that perhaps it is more pronounced in one traditional world than it is for others. Um, certainly it was when I was coming up yeah. in a very male-oriented organization, but I never felt put down. I never felt changed, but inside. So I tell my 10-year ten, ten younger self, go for it. You do deserve it. Yeah, fantastic. And what, what are some of the tips? What are the things that have actually helped you, aside from you telling yourself, you know, has it been around allyship? Absolutely. Has it been, you know, but it's about vulnerability. I had a great mentor um, years and years ago um, who said, the, the most senior of executives ask for help. The most senior of executives admit that they don't know. And I always took that to part saying, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm falling behind here. I need a little help. So asking for the help, but being strong in, in your ask, because it's not saying I'm weak. It's saying, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, so that's been helpful. The other thing is I learn from the people I coach. Yeah. Um, they are coming to me with new ideas. Look at the room yesterday. New yeah. ideas, new ways yeah. in which to think of things. Keep your mind open. Um, and if you do, and you're constantly pushing for, for what's next and what's, the, you know, that's how I think you stay diverse, open, and encouraged. Fantastic advice. What about you, Mona? Um, I agree. Constantly learning, constantly growing. You know, don't, don't, ever, don't ever stop growing um, and learning new things. Uh, being resilient. Yeah. You know, you know being, don't take yourself so seriously. Take the work seriously. But don't take yourself so seriously. Be resilient. 
uh, understand that change and the pace of change is not going to slow down. It's just going to it's just going to get faster and faster. So we have to be more and more resilient and adaptive as as marketers, as leaders, as as employers, as employees. We just have to be super resilient. Yeah. Is there something that's made you more resilient? Um, <laughs> Let's see. I've been bought and sold and traded, and and I think that's helped a lot. Like, I mean, when when EDS became HP Enterprise right. Services, and I wondered where you were we, going with that. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> that's where I was, guys. As a company, in my employment, I should be clear. Um, when when EDS became HP Enterprise Services, I rebranded it to HP Enterprise Services, and then left there to go to uh, Dell and Dell Services uh, was sold to NTT Data. And so for me, the, a lot of my career transitions have come through, some, many came through choices I made, but some came through choices I didn't make. Right. And so just being resilient and accepting the change quickly and adapting quickly uh, has has, I think, really helped me survive and thrive. Get, get stronger for it. Stronger for Fantastic. it. I'm going to open to the floor for questions now. Kit, go for it. Thank you all for those perspectives. Um, Alicia, I'm going to um, revisit something that you brought up and hopefully plumb this just a little bit more because um, when you think about diversity and inclusion, um, very important word there is inclusion. And for me, it's not just about having a seat at the table, but a voice at the table. And both of you were very, very kind of vulnerable and self-aware about how you engage with your teams to draw out that voice. But I'm curious what more you are doing to normalize the voice at the table, not necessarily taking it into one-on-ones, but allowing that diverse perspective to come out in a way that might encourage others to feel comfortable to speak up and then, you know, really kind of bring that diverse perspective into the organization? It's a great question. There's two things I learned from um, one of our CMOs. The first is, if you are the smartest person in the room, others will get lazy. If they know I'm going to override them or I'm going to change what they wrote or I'm going to have the final pen and stuff, then they're not going to give their best work. It just it just says, well, she's going to change it anyway. So that was number one. Again, being self-aware, I'm not good at it. I have to work at it. I try and hold my tongue so that I'm not overriding somebody before they've even finished their thought with how I would do it. The second thing is, if I, I I'm not comfortable personally with pregnant pauses. Um, so there's there's a little bit of a gap in the conversation. I'll try and fill it because somebody should be talking. <laughs> so it because it, I want to fill that gap, I just let it go. And you will find that people will come up with with their thoughts when left enough time. And some people need a minute or two to gather or to yeah. find the courage and whatever. Or 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. But but if I'm always going. Bah! So but I will tell you, it is something I work on very, very hard because I'm not good at either. And I am not the smartest person in the room. But if I talk fast, people will think I am. What about you, Mona? I would say the same, listening, pausing, listening, but also letting people who have great ideas represent those ideas themselves. So I'm going to call her out because she's in the room. Sherry came up with this really great strategy of how to start with our kind of client problems and bring the portfolio through the client problems. 
and uh, client challenges and how to represent our content in a much more elegant way, in a much more concise way. And so she shared it with me and I said, okay, great. You're going to share, you're going to present to the leadership team when we have our review of the content. Um, we'll have you invited to, to the meeting and you'll come in and, and share that content. So for me, it's providing opportunities for people who have great ideas to represent their ideas themselves as opposed to me taking it. And I call it the Sherry slide, but why should Mona present the Sherry slide? Why doesn't Sherry present the Sherry slide? So giving people the opportunities to speak for themselves. And creating the platform, yeah, Absolutely. fantastic. Um, other questions? Go on, Amy. I think, um, I was thinking about this yesterday too. It's, uh, you know, when we talk about having diversity in our teams and diversity in, you know, anywhere, really, I think one of, one of the issues that we really need to address is that we don't have, we have a top of the funnel problem. It's one of the reasons why I spend a lot of time in uh, volunteering in women in technology in, um, in Atlanta is because um, they focus a lot on uh, girls in STEM and STEAM because, uh, and I think that you were, you, were, you were kind of getting there with um, representation, right? If young women don't see and young women of color don't see themselves represented in the boardroom and at the table and in corporate America and in jobs in technology, they don't think that they can go in to roles like this. As much as, much, as much as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we can't force it. We can't have a quota because that's dumb, right? We, we can't make ourselves hire a certain number of people. We have to have those people in the interview process. And if we don't, there's, there's those people are never gonna be in the interview process if those people don't go to school, right? So, so that's, that I think is, is one of the areas where we really need to focus in the world is, is encouraging young people, young people of color, young women of color, young people across the board in all areas of diversity, and neurodiversity is a really good point as well, right? All people to take challenging paths where they might not see representation um, because that's where we're gonna get actual DEI, right? Yeah. Um, because there's that's, that's where we're lacking. It's definitely, we're marketers, right? We know what a top of the funnel problem is. So I think that's, that's the kind of thing that I think about when I sit here and listen to these conversations, right? Because the problem is really that we don't have enough people to hire, so. Yeah, well, and I think it's also incumbent on us. When we are the only whatever, the only brown woman, the only whatever, it's incumbent on us to make sure we're not, we don't stay the only and that we bring others, mm -hmm. others along and, and either, either into our roles or into the C-suite or, or beyond. I've graduated a dozen CMOs. I'm proud of them for, for graduating on. Oh, yes, go on and be a CMO somewhere because you deserve it and yeah. you are worth it and you are smart and intelligent and you can fill those shoes. Right. So, and, yes. and, and that's actually what, that's what you were talking mm -hmm. about at, at the top of the conversation. You, you're, you're paying it forward. You're paying it backwards. You're lending your privilege to others. And, and that is, that's a great thing. It's what we should all do, but it's also why we shouldn't volunteer. We, we shouldn't shy away from volunteering, Absolutely. right? If somebody asks us to speak, if somebody asks us to volunteer, if somebody asks us to go to a school, we should make the time, right? Yeah. We should make the time to go put ourselves in front of young people to show them that there are people, right? There are more interesting people than, sorry friends, a bunch of middle-aged white dudes doing all of the things so that, you know, there are crazy people. 
you know, brown people, whatever, you know, that there's a bunch of people out there having fun and doing interesting things so that they think that they can do it too. So, yeah. Good point. We, we talk a lot about, um, I'll come to that question in a second, we, we talk a lot about diversity in marketing, but when we look around at lots of marketing leaders, they tend to be female. Um, what, what's, what's your take on that? Are we... Terrific. Is, yeah. Smart. Okay. Yeah. Multitaskers. <laughs> the Lead with our hearts. <laughs> Are we the perfect um, fit? Uh, nobody's a perfect anything. Um, I, I do think we need more diversity. I think we need more diversity of thinking, diversity of geography, yeah. diversity of socioeconomic class, diversity of education, diversity of color and gender, you know, I, I think sexual orientation, I mean, we, it, it's, to me, pleased but not satisfied. Yeah. We can do more. I, do I wonder as marketers if we're attracting a certain type of talent to, to come and work in B2B marketing. Well, when you go back into corporations 20 years ago, marketing was one of, perhaps HR, but there was one of the easier paths mm -hmm. for a woman to go. And so women ended up in, in, in marketing, and to your point, pull those, you know, if you were the only person in the room, which a number of times they were, they pulled their um, kind with them, and so it started to grow, and now marketing has become, I think, I don't think we have an issue in, in um, traditional gender diversity in marketing. But if we don't figure out what to do with our working parents mm -hmm. and how to help them in the wor world in which we live today, we will not have women in, yeah. in marketing. We won't have women in the, in the workforce. Mm -hmm. We are woefully behind, um, and, and I can't speak for every country, but in this country we are woefully behind in childcare and helping especially people with either older parents or younger children, uh, helping them through. I mean, I was, I raised three children, and, and I will be honest with you, there were many of my calls where I was in my closet surrounded by my clothes. God forbid somebody should hear that I had a child in the background. Things have changed, and we have to change with them, and we have to respect the fact that you can raise a family and work at the same time. But I am, I'm very worried that we are not going to have women in marketing unless we figure that out. Yeah. What are your thoughts on what we need to do about it? I think we need to understand that, first of all, give them space have them show up authentically, which in some cases for us is WebEx, and we're in three days a week, but we're out too. Um, and if somebody's child is in the background, celebrate that. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Don't get in your closet and surround your clothes and in your bathtub because that's not doing you any service. I say hi um, to the kids. Exactly. Like, hey, I mean, admit that they have them. But the okay. other thing is give them flexibility. I can't be here between five and seven. That's bath time. That's cooking time. That's my time. If they want to get back out at 2 o'clock in the morning, so be it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but give them the flexibility that they need. And then, uh, honestly, that is why I think it helps to have working parents in senior roles. Go back and feel like it, what it was to have a 5-year-old. I mean, my kids are well on their way now. But, you know, go, go back. Put yourself in, yeah. the, in those shoes. It, it's harrowing. You know, it's trying to get it all done at the same time. And, and I watched... I have a, this distinct thing during COVID. Um, one of my people who worked on my team, we were on Zoom or WebEx, and she was in a playpen, and her child was spinning the things, and she was on her computer on a little footstool in the playpen. That, I will never forget that mm -hmm. visual. Yeah. We have got to make things easier for them. Yeah. Give them space in which to work the way they and There are moments like that that stick with you and then encourage you to drive change exactly. as well in, in exactly. your teams. Harsha. My question is slightly off topic but related, equity. 
um what do you think of equity what are the challenges you are seeing with equity and how are you trying to address it that's a great question mm-hmm. how do you make sure you're being fair um, one of the ways that that ntt data is addressing it is they give each leader data around compensation mm-hmm. of men versus women uh and making sure that people who identify in underserved populations are you you see where you are in your in your pay scales so that we see the data and we know the information and can act on it how about you Sharon how are you uh, everybody at I, at IBM has their PMR score which is that basically where they are where they sit in the market and we like to keep um folks you know somewhere in the 80 to 90 range you've got room to grow but you are not being left behind and when you know and this is recent four years maybe five years it used to be kind of what your manager would know but you wouldn't know now you know um so you know exactly where where you stand now that is from a salary perspective when it comes to stock options when it comes to you know RSUs stock that that we give away to to um to some employees etc that's done very carefully so that we have a balanced um performance is obviously one but is it's also making sure that we have a, a fair and equitable distribution of that but it also comes in education it comes in um, experiences it comes in all kinds of things that are outside of compensation so we do look at our, our underrepresented classes because we want to make sure that we are doing what we say we're doing and the only way we can do that is to see the numbers and to see because you know what i could be slightly off but if all of us are slightly off we're terrible right so we need to kind of keep up and i know the numbers well it's just numbers but it's it's our initial way of saying are we being equitable among our employees and are we treating fairly those again who are top talent but also do we have top talent across our population it's it's taken very seriously and are we treating underrepresented groups e- correct equitably thank you thank you so much for those answers i think you know uh, very well put out i think a lot of companies are focusing on this one place where i see that needs more improvement is equity across borders Take what your- do you mean by that <laughs> equity across board like you have looking at my population we're hiring more in Canada we're hiring more in Mexico where I'm, is that what you mean or no so that's what do you mean? that's your your diversity uh, equity across borders what i mean is you have a global team yes. you have people distributed across the world and people are moving across the world um, immigration is an issue visa is an issue there are companies which are taking advantage of that this isn't something which is focused enough it gets enough attention it's under the radar yeah uh, one thing that we that we've done which i thought i think has helped we shifted the conversation from bring everybody into the united states with a visa especially india we were having difficulty you know bring people in cuz we were just bringing in so many people from one place we were also told that we can't build a whole population within a, a city in india because we don't want to have any one company dominate exactly dominating uh, that that city and and they're hiring but we, what we've shifted to is so why does the director have to be in new york why can't the director be in india in brazil in china in wherever it might be so if you were a global organization then your global leaders should be global mm-hmm. and this has taken uh, this is a change right because we everybody was from new york that was you know all everybody's running out, everything out of new york and these were all 
the support system, the, the architecture that sat underneath it. Now we have shifted that conversation. We can hire leaders of those teams around the world. And I mentioned okay. earlier, our headquarters for NTT Data Services is in Dallas, North Texas. But our leader for, our, our director for corporate social responsibility is in India. Mm -hmm. Our director for recruitment marketing globally is in India. So I do think that we're seeing progress. I'm pleased but Thank not you. satisfied with the progress we've made. Great to hear. So I, I heard, um, Mona, you're talking about processes where you're having more people talk so you can actually listen. Karen talking about even pausing, slowing down to reflect, understand what's being told when, uh, when you had the individual have a discussion. And, and so I'm hearing the pattern around for diversity inclusion. We have to slow down, understand what's getting told, and therefore dot, dot, dot. We should build more inclusive solutions, which takes time by slowing down. The question really is, how do we collectively slow down when the time to ROI is getting shorter and shorter, and it's all agile, let's do faster, which means you'll do a heuristic shortcut, which is let's do the same thing, Faster, better, which means we shall be less inclusive because we need to slow down is what both of you have stated. How do we collectively slow down to build more inclusive solutions? One way to slow down is to prioritize. You can't just keep doing everything faster, cheaper. You can't do more with less without stopping something. So to me, it's about ruthless prioritization. It's about... What are we going to say no to? What's below the line? Keeping it there. Focusing on and prioritizing the things that matter most and that return the highest investment. We know if we don't have clarity up front, Agile doesn't work at all. As a matter of fact, you know, we become more efficient on things we should never have done. So we are really pushing on clarity of purpose, clarity of outcome. And that is such a throwaway word. If I hear one more person talking about my outcomes... But I really genuinely believe if you focus on that which you're going to deliver and everybody agrees the plan up front, you will, A, save time, B, you'll be on an agile sprint, but you're going to get to where you had hoped as opposed to kind of where you ended up. So take the extra minutes up front because what we find is oftentimes we're taking all that time at the kind of three-quarter mark. No, no, take the time at the zero mark. And then things are going to go more smoothly. And, and, and that for us, you know, in, in, a, in a hurry up and run culture, also a little antithetical to what our, we, we were raised in. But I think if that's what's, if anything that's, that Agile has taught us, it's that the clarity is paramount before you start. Go for it, Rob. Sharon, I want to pick up on one of your comments from yesterday. You mentioned the Anheuser-Busch mm -hmm. example, kind of raised the issue about courage of your convictions and addressing potential backlash. And I'm curious both how you think about it with your own organization, but what do you see coming? Like how should we all be thinking about that challenge? I think that if you really want to be pressed on, are you authentic? That is the question. So if you are, and you are true to the beliefs, in my case, if I am true to the beliefs of the IBM company, then rise or fall, politics or not, changes in systems and, and understanding, we are who we are. And we have a set of mores, a set of beliefs that we don't, we don't you know, vacillate. That then says you accept the good or the bad, 
according to your beliefs. Um, I think where you get into trouble is when you apply your belief because it's for a momentary gain. I think it's going to be really fabulous if I have, I'm making it up, a Super Bowl commercial where I'm going to be putting in X, Y, and Z talent because they're going to show me in a different light. Okay, now you're into into troubled territory because it's not authentically who you grew up as. Opportunistic. Exactly. And and, And that has its own set of problems. But if you truly are who you are, then you take the responsibility of anything that that may come your way. And in terms of what's to come next, I don't think any of us have have the the crystal ball on on what this world is going to look like. I think many of us feel concerned over the fact that the the conversation, the din, the, the spirit in the world has gotten a little bit more intense, divisive than perhaps many of us had ever imagined. Um, it, we thought we were going forward, maybe we're going backward, right? But I think, again, go back to who we are and what we believe in. And when you do that, then things might get a little bit easier and you're open to others being who they are, but difficult unless you have your grounding. That sounds like a very poignant way to, to bring this conversation full circle. I just want to finish on one last question for, for me, if that's all right. Mona, what, what are you most proud of on your whole charter around diversity equity, inclusion, what, what have you achieved that, that you look back and go, yes, we made progress? So I talked a little bit about the employee resource groups mm-hmm. at, at NTT Data, and uh, I'm proud of being one of the co-founders of the uh, Women's Employee Resource Group, Women Inspire Entity Data, WIN for short. I'm proud of the fact that I started it with a guy on my team, and he and I would do all the programming and all the events and all the content. And now we're 2,000 strong. We have work streams. We've got other leaders of, of content and of programs and of our content on our website. So we've, we've got a, an infrastructure of volunteers, all volunteer-led, volunteer-driven. I'm proud of the progress Wynn has made, and, and I'm even more proud of the, and I mentioned this earlier, of the fact that individuals in the marketing organization and leaders in the marketing organization are leaders in WIN and other employee resource groups. The employee resource group for LGBTQ+, the employee resource group for people who identify as African origin, the employee resource group for the NEST, which is um, environmental um, environmental sustainability, uh, you name it, veterans, you know, for, we've got, I think, eight, eight, ten employee resource groups, and marketing is represented in every one of them at a leadership level. So I, I'm most proud of that because it speaks to the passion and the commitment that my people, my, yeah. my village people, yeah. my team have for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Fantastic. Keep, keep winning. <laughs> uh, Sharon, what are you most proud of? I can sum it up in a sentence. I, I truly believe I am. Great. We've only got good eight seconds. I am, <laughs> I am incredibly proud to be an IBMer and to showcase and to be a senior leader within an organization whom I genuinely believe stands for the same kinds of values that I do. And every day I show up to that company in the way that they want me to show up. And it, it, it works, obviously, for my team, but, but, but also for the whole company. And, and I'm very proud to call myself an IBMer. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for everyone for participating in this this podcast. And guys, you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. 
This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ITSMA, a leading B2B growth consultancy and advisory firm. We're fortunate to have incredibly diverse talent, both in our business and the clients we work with. And together, we're actively striving to tackle the inclusion gap. You can learn more at MomentumITSMA.com.